This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Julia Jacobs. The battle to save Taman Rimbakiara is finally over with the federal court ruling in favour of protecting the green lung by quashing a development order by DBKL to develop the area. So many have described the long fight to preserve this green lung as a David versus Goliath undertaking. How did the community rally together to coordinate and take on the authorities? So today on the show, I'm speaking to three very handsome gentlemen who were involved in the saga. Hafiz Abu Bakr, he is the former chairman of the T- TDI Residents Association, Leon Kui, the committee coordinator of the Safe Taman Rimbakiara Working Group, and Kairudin Rahim, he is the media coordinator also for Safe TRK. They are joining me now. Just three of the many involved in this saga, but welcome, gentlemen. How are you today? All good. Thank you for having us, Julia. (laughs) Lovely, lovely to have you all in the studio with me today. So, first of all, of course, congratulations. My goodness, very long, hard fight, a very well-deserved win. And I just wanted to say that the first time we spoke on this very uh, on this very show was on the 29th of May, 2017, which was the first time I met uh, Leon and Hafiz. You know, when we were first hearing about this incident. So, you know, six whole years, guys. And of course, the battle started way before that, right? In 2016, yeah. Yes. Well, it started in June 2016. I remember very vividly because it was in the Ramadan month and we were all fasting and we organized uh, the first protest then. And um, I was uh, fasting that time. We have to, I had to speak out very <laughs> loudly among all the crowd. There were about more than 800 people, Tamantun residents, who turned up on the first protest. And uh, we were ill-equipped at that point of time. We don't have the... Uh, microphone or, or speakers and then we ha- I have to stand up on the uh, ladder to speak up you know <laughs> so but it was a good first uh, uh, outing by us and in uh, then it was followed by uh, a couple of months later it was followed by a town hall meeting from there we rallied more of the Tamantun uh, residents uh, at, at the town hall meeting to stage a second protest and we did that the day after the protest, and it was uh, quite successful then. So also at the same time, uh, during the town hall is, is where I first met Leon, and uh, we were talking about uh, going further on, on this fight mm-hmm. rather than uh, only protesting. So it, it seems that uh, things are getting more difficult, so we have to do something else, bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to get the three of you in here together to talk about this, because it really was a community effort. You know, I, I know, you know, you've told me many times you guys didn't know each other before this, but it really brought everyone together. You saw the injustice that was happening and you wanted to fight this, right? Can you talk to me a little bit about that? You know, how you first found out, how you got the community to come together and uh, yeah, how did that, how did that take we, on? We were united by, by the fact that we were enraged. I mean, to be put it bluntly. Because a beautiful park somehow had been taken away, at least uh, 13 acres of it, taken away covertly by the authorities without none of us knowing. Mm. And thanks to some uh, investigative work done by Leon and uh, Aslin, it was revealed at one of the townhouses about how far this matter had gone. And it woke up a lot of us it suddenly made us realize that there was a huge injustice going on. There was complete disregard for what residents feel and ought to have a say in. Complete disregard for 
the proper procedures before you suddenly take away a public gazetted park. So it didn't take long for us to source out each other. I think because of the common <laughs> common anger. <laughs> and when people were talking louder than most, that's when we sort of looked at each other and says, he's talking the same thing as I am. And that's how, frankly, you know, we kind of looked at each other and says, let's do this together. Mm -hmm. Let's find a way to overcome this unfair challenge mm -hmm. to, 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 you know, the, 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 the humble residents of Tamantun. Yeah. Leon, you want to add? Yeah, united by the rage. Um, <laughs> and that's, you know, Tamantun is a um, very interesting um, snapshot, if you like, of Malaysian society, right? We, we have, uh, you know, people from all strata living in Tamantun. And uh, actually, part of the fallacy also is that it's full of rich people. No, that's folks living across, uh, you know, all uh, the entire spectrum uh, in, in Tamantun, including many, many uh, hard-working civil servants who earned their living and paid uh, their mortgages over many, many years, many decades, you know, to so that they could retire in Tamantun, right? So yeah. many, many people with different types of skills, uh, experience, and um, we all started discovering each other because we all uh, shared uh, passion of living in Tamantun and enjoying the greenery that we have here, including Taman Rimbakiara. Mm. So people started discovering each other you know, architects, town planners, engineers all started standing out to say, hey, you know, there's something not right here. How is it? So we started asking questions, basically. Just start asking the right questions, right? Start at the beginning. How does this happen? How does a park get taken? You know, what, what is the basis, right? So I, I knew nothing about <laughs> a structure plan. Sure. I knew zero about a city plan. I was absolutely clueless. Uh, but then among the community, all of us started talking and then small different bits of information started coming together. So then we start piecing all of it. So then we learned about what the structure plan is. We learned about what the local plan is. And then we started looking at that. Then we started doing, okay, from my legal background, okay, we, we started doing, uh, you know, land searches, etc. So to try to piece the whole picture together. What What is basic, let's orientate ourselves, what is the baseline picture of the situation in Taman Rembakiara, mm -hmm. right? So who owns the land? Who is entitled to do stuff with that land? Who administers the land? You know, so slowly we, we piece this picture together. And then um, we started looking at the structure plan, um, looking and, and comparing it to the draft local plan that had been published at that point in time. There was no gazetted local plan yet. The structure plan was gazetted, but the local plan was not gazetted yet. Um, and actually, that was the position when we spoke to you, Correct, uh, yeah. Juliet, in uh, May 2017. So we discovered when we look at that, that actually there's something wrong here because the structure plan clearly said that this area was a city park. Mm-hmm and an uh, open grid space, Tanah Lapang Awam. And the draft local plan uh, corroborated that because it classified Taman Rimba Kiara uh, as such as well as a, you know, um, Tanah Lapang Awam, open space, public open space. So we were like, w w if this is what a public document is saying, the planning document for the city published by DBKL is saying, then why is 
stuff on the ground happening differently. Why is there a development notice going up? So then we have to check. Where is there a land title? Yeah. Mm. Out of the, like a magic box, it appeared. Mm. Yeah. So we're trying to reconcile that. And then, um, yeah, they, of course, it became clear that there was a mismatch in um, the way that the authorities, including DBKL, were treating this piece of land uh, between what was said on paper and what they were actually doing. Right. Uh, Julia, just to expand <coughs> on your question just now, how we rally residents to come together. Yeah. You see, I, I suppose uh, residents in Tamantun has a very high sense of belonging of their township. You know, so with that, our war cry has always been, this is your kampung yeah, or hometown. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, I've been always been saying that... Uh, well, I live here for more than 30 years. I got married here. My children were born here. They go to school here. They got married here and they have their own children here. So their, their hometown, our kampung is not in Johor or in, in, in Penang. Their hometown is here in Tamantun. So if, if we don't take care of Tamantun, then who else will? So with that, and, and also, like I said, the a high sense of belonging among the Tamantun residents, we managed to, to rally support from residents and, and it, it resonates in other parts of the city as well, from people from Bangsa, from uh, Damansara and, and the rest. So yes, uh, it, we all mentioned that it takes a village to do this. You yes. know, we cannot achieve this with just one or two guys around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I remember also when we spoke in 2017 and, you know, subsequently that, you know, this it wasn't just a simple development, you know, highways were coming in. There was, you know, it would have caused massive changes to the neighborhood, a very, as I remember you guys mentioning, a very uh, established neighborhood, right? I mean, these were some of the things as well that, uh, you know, when you bought these houses 30, 40 years ago were not in, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't in the plan, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were, uh, at one point of time, they were talking about an elevated highway along the entire stretch of Jalan Datuk Sulaiman. Yes, I remember that. So, yeah. so we were hopping mad about that. And uh, we get, um, apart from uh, uh, res- individual residents, we also get got the masjid and other NGOs around to, to assist in, in, in putting forward to DBKL our objections. And, and it worked. And at that point of time, the, the plan for the elevated uh, road along Jalan Tuk Sulaiman was scrapped. Mm. But then it was, it was something else. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Let's just go for a quick break, gentlemen. When we come back, let's talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, who this development was supposedly uh, in aid of, you know, and that was the Longhouse residence. Let's talk about that issue after this quick break. I'm speaking today to Hafiz Abu Bakar, former chairman of the TTDI Residence Association, Leong Kue, committee coordinator of Safe TRK, and Kairuddin Rahim, media coordinator of Safe TRK. We're talking about how it takes a village. Uh, it's the story of saving Taman Rimba Kiara. We'll have more after this quick break. Keep it right here on Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. In the studio with me today, Hafiz Abu Bakar, former chairman of the TTDI Residents Association, Leon Kue, committee coordinator of Safety RK, and Kairuddin Rahim, media coordinator of Safety RK. We're talking about the story of saving Taman Rimba Kiara. As you guys know, uh, just I think it was just last month, the federal court ruled in favour of protecting the space, quashed the development order by DBKL to develop the area. Uh, we're talking about how that long journey it took to get there, and there was many, many hurdles, um, you know, 
uh, all throughout the process. You know, there was legal cases, of course. And I just want to talk to you guys first about, you know, why um, why the DBKL and why the mayor was trying to justify this uh, this development, right? And so that a lot of uh, that, you know, came to the Longhouse residents and, you know, something that had been promised to them for 30 years, longstanding. Can you just remind our listeners about that? Yep. So in Tamantun, we have uh, on the edge of Tamantun, the Longhouse uh, community. Uh, they have been living there for um, 40 years. Um, it's about 100 families. The uh, Longhouse community basically uh, comprise um, families who worked on the Bukit Kiara rubber um, plantation, mm-hmm. which was the plantation which spanned um, you know, about 1,500 acres um, and was acquired by the government for public purposes back in ni- 1970s. So these families used to work the rubber estate. After acquisition by the government, the rubber estate ceased operations and the government wanted to uh, relocate the families out of the location that they were in, inside Bukikiara. They They were actually all situated... Uh, somewhere close to where KLGCC is now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in the clubhouse area. Uh, so they uh, wanted to relocate them, um, and they kind of agreed a deal with uh, all of these families to move to um, the current location that they are in, uh, together with the temple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this was intended to be a temporary move, um, so therefore they built uh, wooden longhouses for each family, um, built grid grid style. Uh, these were this was only supposed to last for uh, maximum five years. Five years. Mm. After which they would be given permanent housing. Right. Uh, but that was forty years ago, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so from first generation now today you have second third generation that's living there. There's about uh, four to five thousand strong population there. Um, and so the longhouse community had been hoping for a resolution of their permanent housing for many, many years. Uh, so along came DBKL uh, and Yayasan Villa Paskutuan. And between successive um, federal territory ministers, uh, they came up with a plan, grand plan, to uh, build condominiums uh, on Taman Rimakiara because the Longhouse community stays basically right at the north eastern corner of the Taman Rimakiara land, 25 acres, and they occupy about four acres of it. So between DBKL and Yayasan Villa Puskutuan, they was, uh, came up with a plan where basically they would build condominiums um, on about 12 acres of Taman Rimakiara uh, in return for subsidizing a 29-story uh, apartment block um, for the Longhouse community. Okay, so that was kind of the um, story that was uh, sold to the public. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, that became uh, a kind of a compelling argument for, for a while mm. because uh, everyone knows that uh, these, the Longhouse families, um, you know, have been deprived of permanent housing for a long time, right? And yeah. it, it would be very difficult to, to uh, object to that. But um, the reality is that um, we kind of all know that you don't need a mega condo project in order to build uh, permanent housing for 100 families, right? Yeah. Um, and in part of as part of the whole, you know, uh, resolution matrix, when we were looking at 
how to address this issue, we started to talk among ourselves about, okay, there needs to be an alternative here, right? Um, we can't just object to the condo project. We actually need to solve the root of the issue, which is permanent housing for the longhouse community. And if we don't have an answer for that, then we can all just pack up and go home, actually. Correct. Okay. So we sat down and, again, you know, mustered resources from among the community. Again, um, architects, engineers, town planners, um, surveyors, lawyers, everyone sitting down, just brainstorming, talking a little bit here and there, trying to figure out what to do. And then we decided, okay, Let's see whether we can come up with an alternative housing plan that delivers permanent housing for the longhouse residents without the need for all these mega condos, right? And actually, Hafiz was the person who articulated it in a nutshell very early on. He said, look, you don't need to build anything else. You just need to build for the longhouse community on the existing plot, okay? What is... You know, why can't we start with that? So he articulated that question, actually. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our endeavor was basically to answer that question. Can we or can we not build on that plot, the four acres, four and a half acres that they stay on, and can we deliver decent permanent housing for the longhouse residents? You know, if we focus on just that, right? So we spent time doing that, and actually, uh, it didn't take too long. Once everybody kind of like, you know, focused on that and worked together, um, the architects basically were able to come up with a plan which showed that, hey, you know what, we can build. It, it will be a little bit tight, but we can build in, in, in the simplest case, we can deliver townhouses mm. for 100 families, right? And very uh, pleasant, very livable uh, townhouse units for 100 families. You don't need to live in a apartment block, you know, 29 stories, having to deal with broken lifts, as, you know, elevators, um, shared services, etc. right? It just actually delivers them something which is very close to what other people in Tamantun get to enjoy. Yeah. And how about that, right? Wouldn't that be a nice thing to do? Um, and then the next thing would be cost. How, you know, how much would it cost to do that? So the architects and um, engineers helped us with that um, and did some costing. And the estimate that they came up with was depending on what you want, you know, we can do it for maybe about 20 to 25 million. Excluding the land cost. Excluding land cost, of course. Yeah? Okay. Assuming that. Which I mean, the government had promised them in the first place. This, this is a government... To, to grant, yeah. you know, housing. Yeah. The government already owes them permanent housing. So, mm. you know, what, what is such a big problem about just giving them four so and a half the, acres? So the solution land. being offered under the guise of condominiums being built to solve the longhouse problem was completely disproportionate. And that was the other point that got us very enraged. Yeah. Because they had assumed that the, the Tamantun residents, the Malaysian public, were very easily hoodwinked, to so, put it bluntly. Yeah, yeah and, and it was camouflage, right? Basically, it was camouflage for the predominant intention of building mega condos. Yeah, eight blocks of 50 stories. And actually, the Court of Appeal agreed with us 
we had said so in our affidavits that this is camouflage. And the Court of Appeal agreed. They actually accepted that wording and put it into their, their judgment. We agree that this is a camouflage for the predominant intention to build a commercial project. So uh, we, we then did some costing and we discovered that actually <laughs> even the 29-storey block that they wanted to build for uh, the Longhouse residents, the way that they had set it up, the, the, they were going to sell half of that to the public. Right. And the, and, uh, the income from selling half of that to the public would have been enough based on our estimates to actually pay for that 29-storey block by itself okay. without even needing all those condos, right? But anyway. Okay. I just wanted to remind listeners about that because I think that was a, that's something that was very important, uh, you know, in this whole case as well because that, that was um, sort of the heart of the issue, right? Or how they liked to uh, frame it. So before, you know, you, um, you know, the residents and all of you decided to take the legal route, you did, of course, try to uh, work things out, right? You did try to find workable solutions for all the stakeholders. Uh, that didn't quite work out, which is why you took the legal route, of course. Um, we were ignored. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. The answer yeah. was we were ignored. Okay. We put forward our rationales, our appeals to the authorities, you know, with petitions stating that, you know, you should not do this because it's public park, gazetted land. There are other ways for you to fulfill your uh, responsibility as a government towards this longhouse residents. Mm-hmm. But we were ignored. Okay. And you tried many, many times with all the different uh, stakeholders involved, right, uh, on the authority side? Not only they ignored residents or ignored the longhouse residents, they also ignored the law. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like what Leon mentioned just now, in the KL City Plan or in the KL Structure Plan, that piece of land is an open space and it was well documented. You know, and uh, all all we know is now that they have uh, sub uh, they've cut the uh, the land into half and issued a land title for it and make it uh, com- uh, mixed commercial, yeah. which shouldn't be, have happened in the first place. Yeah, so uh, apart from ignoring uh, residents, they ignored the law, and that's why we took the the legal route on that. Okay, and so, okay, the, the legal route again, also, that's another long story. I don't think we have uh, time to go through the whole thing, but let's talk about the most recent ruling, right, which kind of like uh, sealed the deal, I suppose, right? So um, we've covered, I guess, you know, what the judges said through the federal court's unanimous decision to cancel DBKL's development approval, but uh, we spoke to one of your lawyers, actually, Abraham Au, uh, he walked us through the, what was it, 290-page ruling? Uh, <laughs> yes, and landmark decision, of course. Absolutely, landmark. Landmark. And I just want to ask, you know, each of you or, uh, you know, anyone here, from that ruling, what is it that you feel most vindicated by, or what is it that stood out for you? Um, yeah, that you you yeah you really feel happy about that the authorities cannot willy nilly bulldoze whatever they think they want to do against the what is legally right and against the public's wishes. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I mean that's that's the overall message, I suppose. The federal court has told the authorities, not just DBKL, but the entire country. You have to go through proper procedures, and if you have gazetted something, you've got to respect that. Yeah. You can't really nearly change mm-hmm. for and commercial interests. To add to what Karudin just said, to, to me, I have spoken this to many DBKL officers and the pengaras there, that all you have to do is to do the right thing. <laughs> and that's all. And, and furthermore, the plan that they have come up with, 
they come up with the plan, but but unfortunately, they are the one who go against the, those plans. Uh-huh. So if they have done things in accordance to the law, according to the plan, none of this will happen. You know, there there won't be any problem. So to me, they just have to do the right thing. Uh-huh. That's all. Yeah. 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 And conflicts of interest as well, right? I mean, there was so much. <laughs> yeah, I, the the federal court has um, this is a magnum opus on the part of the federal court. There's so many things there which will offer guidance for years to come. Years. One clear statement that they made is that the Datubana broke the law. How often do you get, you know, uh, someone as high as the Datubana being told that they have broken the law? Okay. So this is very clear statement by federal court. And it's not Dato Banda as a person. It's a Dato Banda as an institution. So the Dato Banda as an institution broke the law. Uh, it's unfortunate. And, uh, you know, I think the federal court wanted to make a point mm-hmm. that uh, this was really disappointing. Next was conflict of interest. We had highlighted a conflict of interest and Dato Banda and the entire framework of Dato Banda had basically said, oh, no, 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 we haven't. That's, uh, you know, because we've done this, we've done that. But the uh, federal court uh, basically vaporized um, all of the excuses they gave and said, look, we had said that Dato Banda was conflicted in two ways, but the federal court actually pointed out that he was triple conflicted because he was... The Dato Banda, i.e. Uh, approving all these developments. Secondly, was uh, sitting on the board of Yasan Villa Paskutuan, which is the landowner. And then thirdly, was sitting on the Federal Territory Land Committee, which approves uh, alienation land of land. Yeah. Mm. So had approved the transfer of this land to Yasan Villa Paskutuan. So triple conflicted. So one bonus for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And they also scolded Dato Banda because Dato Banda did not declare all this until they were pressed to do so by the court. Beyond that, uh, the federal court was also uh, has also gone into a very deep analysis of local standard or legal standing to take an action for all this, right? And has been very uh, and became very clear about position that you should be able, as a resident, uh, as a citizen, as a person who lives in KL, for example, you should be able to litigate, you know, if you find that the local authority is not uh, performing their duty, right? And the standard is uh, will be opened relatively wide for a litigant to, to qualify. Okay. That's a breakthrough. Yeah. That's yeah. very, very clear now. <clears throat> you don't have to live next door to be a litigant. You can just be a resident uh, to be a litigant. Mm-hmm. And uh, environmental law-wise... Um, also, the you know this, the federal court has made a very strong statement uh, as to environmental law because this pertains to public park. So the federal court quoted an uh, English case uh, where someone had tried to litigate on behalf of uh, a, a nature reserve, I believe, and uh, the court there had said, "Who will speak for the osprey?" And here the federal court said, "Who will speak for the hornbill?" Which is amazing. And, uh, you know, it makes very clear the expectation of the federal court that uh, uh, environmental law in the context of climate change and um, the pressures, environmental pressures that we're facing, uh, you know, people should be allowed to litigate to try to protect 
the environment uh, that we live in. To add a bit of clarity, hornbills actually come to Taman River Kiara for the sake of all your listeners who are not aware. It's one of the very few places in the city where you can actually find hornbills. Mm -hmm. So that's why the court mentioned who will speak for the hornbills. I spoke to one of your residents, uh, Rosalind. Uh, yeah. She wrote a book, actually, yeah. right? Yeah. Rosalind about Chua. Rosalind yeah. Chua, exactly. I spoke to Rosalind, I remember, you know, talk, when she mentioned to us uh, the amazing biodiversity in, you know, that little space alone, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The other takeaway point that I really love about or like about the federal court judgment is that uh, basically telling the authorities not to ignore the rakyat. You know, so when the rakyat uh, comes up with... Uh, complaints or grouses or suggestion that they should take it seriously and respond to the riot. Now, we have gone through this for like since 2016 and during those times, numerous letters were sent but never responded. You know, so uh, emails and, and letters and and even uh, with the help of Kairudin uh, here, we made uh, press statements and things like that. But they were not re- readily respond that to you know so so what the federal court judgment really tells these these authorities that look you have to listen to the rakyat and and take them seriously mm-hmm. it set a new standard in other words authorities are obliged now to properly respond to the rakyat's objections and if they do not agree with the rakyat they should explain why rather than ignoring or remain silent. That's a new standard that's been set for Malaysia. Correct. And, you know, I remember thinking this as well, that it's ridiculous that you had to go through all of these loopholes and, you know, all of this, shall we say, saga, you know, just to get here, right? I mean, just to protect your public park, you know, when there was clearly so many issues um, and, you know, a lot of public funds as well spent on this, right? I mean, going all the way to the federal court with this, you know, um, yeah, so there was, uh, there's plenty, like, there's plenty that was wrong with this, but this yeah, is... Yeah, they spent the riots money to, to go to court against us. Yeah. The riot. Because <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs> One million and counting. <laughs> because, I mean, at the Court of Appeal, I do remember the respondents saying, you know, let's let's end this here, right? Let's not take this to yeah. the federal court and, and, you know, exactly. spend even more public funds. But, you know, clearly I, that didn't happen. I came up with a press statement ridiculing also, so to speak, to the BKL. Why are you spending Rakyat's money mm. to appeal on the Courts of Appeal judgment and, and appeal against us to fight against the Rakyat? Mm-hmm. You know, that just doesn't sound right. It wasn't right. It didn't. It wasn't right. <laughs> okay, gentlemen, one more quick break. Uh, then let's come back and talk about future plans and how we can move forward from this. Yeah, I'm speaking today to Hafiz Abu Bakar, former chairman of the TTDI Residents Association, Leon Kue, committee coordinator of Safe TRK, and Kairudin Rahim, the media coordinator for Safe TRK. We're talking about how it took a village, uh, but they succeeded in saving Taman Rimbakera. We'll continue that discussion after one more quick break. Keep it right here on Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. In the studio with me today, Hafiz Abu Bakar, former chairman of the TTDI Residents Association, Leon Kue, committee coordinator of Safety RK, and Kairudin Rahim, the media coordinator of Safety RK. We're talking about the story of saving Taman Rimbakiara. As you will recall, the federal court ruled in favour of protecting the space. They quashed the development order by DBKL to develop the area. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, right at the intro, many have described this uh, very long fight, you know, all the way from 2016 to now, uh, to preserve this green line as a David versus Goliath undertaking, the community, you know, really came together, 
coordinated, took on the authorities. And um, as you, you know, guys mentioned to me, you know, you just, everything was, uh, you know, just based on fact, right? You had nothing to be afraid of. It was just, you know, everything was there. I do want to talk a little bit about that because we do know there are other similar cases happening, not just around the Klang Valley, but, you know, lots of places. And, you know, in conversations that I've had with these, uh, with other people trying to protect their little green lungs, they always mention the Tamarima Kiara case, you know, how well coordinated you are and what an inspiration you are to them. Can you just, you know, sort of talk to me about, you know, all the different people that came together uh, to help uh, in this very long battle. Yeah. Berani kerana benar. Mm, yes. <laughs> that's that's really the the, the basis. Uh, we're fortunate that, you know, in Tamanton, like what Leon mentioned, there's a, there's a group of different people with skills that volunteered and came on board. For example, we had people who used to work in advertising as designers coming out and designing the banners, the leaflets, which was well laid out and very clear in how it communicated the issues that were raised, that we wanted to raise, so that even the new people who didn't know the history understood by just looking at this four-page leaflet. Mm -hmm. We had guys who took videos and edited it carefully to highlight the various issues that was raised. And that was, of course, circulated on, you know, WhatsApp groups, social media, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Now, that helped to transmit the story even further than just Kuala Lumpur. And that was great. Even I was told up to Melbourne and Sydney. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> because there are Malaysians there, of course, sure. who come from Tamanton. Then we have, of course, the support of the press, the media, who... Because the story wrote itself. Mm. Actually, we didn't really have to write the story. We just told the truth. And of course, with the help of Leon and Hafiz and a few others, we crafted the messages so that it's done in an orderly way. And then the platform that was available, the support of the press, it, it was transmitted. So I have to say that this was not, uh, I, would, I wouldn't say it was by chance, but we were very fortunate to have uh, other skills that came forward to help. Mm -hmm. Now, what I'm trying to say then is any other community facing this issue today should know that the standards have been set by the federal court ruling. And therefore, I would say three quarters of the job is already done by just referring to the ruling as to how authorities should behave when it comes to land matters. And, and, and going against uh, the gazettements. In fact, with the standards set by the federal court, the authority should not even dare to venture into all this fuddy-duddy territory anymore. You see, Tamantun has a lot of challenges facing the community. Like, For instance, it seems to us that many developers want to develop something in Tamantun. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So for, for now, we have the one, uh, a couple of challenges. One is the uh, institutional land along Jalan Abang Haji Openg. Yeah. It's an institutional land with a plot ratio of 1 to 2, 1 to 2, and um, a developer came. And funny enough, at that point of time, DBKL saw it fit to give them some permission to do some planning work on a 45-story condo. Mm -hmm. Immediately in front of the single-story houses, which shouldn't be. I mean, in the plan, it was it was correctly stated as a institutional land with a plot ratio one is to two. So, what they were trying to do is to to build something which that will raise the plot ratio is one is to four, I believe, or 
okay. something like that, not one to five. Sure. So of course we protested on that, and again at that point of time we were ignored. And then now the matter is in court. We mm. have brought this matter to court. The other thing is also like for instance um, we have the case of uh, Tadika Diana. Clearly that land, and we we check with the, the BKL that land is for use for kindergarten. But somehow we got wind of a, of, of a plan to build two blocks of seven stories uh, offices there. Mm-hmm. Of course, we for, for for at this point of time we managed to put a stop to that with the support uh, and the backing of residents around there. So we managed again to to rally residents there to help us put a stop to this. And uh, there are several other things that that we need to do uh, to protect Taman Tun as our kampung. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, I think you know for for the benefit of others who are finding uh, that they have to deal with similar issues you know, in their neighborhoods. What we discovered in this journey is that um, yeah we're not alone. There are many good people around. Yeah, and um, the challenge sometimes is uh, we we have to kind of push ourselves uh, to, to then just reach out and, uh, you know, reach beyond our fear also to connect and see whether we can find commonality. And we found a lot of it. Uh, you know, the cause was uh, very strong. Uh, many people believed in uh, saving the park. And um, so, um, you know, after a while you discover so many different folks. Um, and people who come in different capacities, right? Uh, some folks wanted to donate money but they didn't want to be known, yeah. right? Because perhaps they work in another property company or whatever the case may be, uh, <laughs> or they work in government. But uh, actually, there was ma- there were many of these types of individuals, right? So part of the journey also is to be able to carry that knowledge and carry that relationship with folks like that and, you know, uh, be able to carry the trust that they, they can contribute without being, you know, uh, exposed, if you like, to some extent. Sure. Uh, then uh, it, it was building trust with the people who potentially might want to put their names down to, to be involved in the litigation, you know. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we had brave individuals. There, there were 10 names there yeah, who decided to join the lawsuit. We had uh, tri- the five apartment uh, management corporations, right? So we had trellises, Kiara Green, uh, the residents, TTDI Plaza, and the Greens. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Each of them, there was a whole process that each of them had to invest in with their own resident committee and management corporation, management committee, in order to, to generate consensus that they would join this lawsuit. Imagine all the conversations, the hundreds of conversations that happened there, but everyone did their part to try and come together, right? Then Inche Hafiz as the chairman of TTDRA, took a stand and said, yes, we will join this lawsuit. There are other RAs who might say, no, no, actually, you know, it's, no, la, we cannot. It should be individuals who do it. But no, Inchafi said, the RA will be part of this lawsuit, right? Yeah. So very strong leadership on his part. Then we had um, individuals who said, yes, we will stand up. You know, so we had Kutaupin, Fedaus Nisha, Busulin, and Lu Laiman. Uh, each of them, you know, took this brave stand to say, yes, we, we will, you can name us in the lawsuit, right? And others who contributed in other ways, uh, as Karine has mentioned, videos, design, 
folks who did the website. We had volunteers who said, okay, let's build a website for you. And that was powerful in itself because today, social media, internet, right? People want to find out, but how do they find out? They go to the internet. Yeah. So net became a widely visited site. We put a lot of information on it. That helped to disseminate the message. And for everyone else who's facing issues, yes, social media and internet, you know, use it. Uh, I know I knew zero about Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Steep learning curves, huh? All throughout, yeah. <laughs> I knew zero about Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> but all of us learned, right? Uh, and and uh, all of these tools are useful. And as you go along, you you discover the power of the crowd. You know, you you learn how to draw and uh, leverage and share with each other on, on different things, draw on different strengths. Uh, and then, you know, after a while, you find that, yeah, oh, wow, it, it is a village. We've discovered the village. That's just, I, I just want to share that uh, for, you know, anyone who's listening. Mm -hmm. um, what we are fortunate with also is that over the last few years, things have evolved. There are many more resident groups and resident coalitions, um, you know, in the Klang Valley. For example, uh, Slamakan KL or KLRA Plus. These are all groups which try to work with re uh, resident, other resident groups to um, look at issues that they face. You know, So please reach out. You find strength and uh, help with these groups too. Okay. All right. And just one more thing uh, before we wrap up, gentlemen. So, you know, the, the issue about the longhouse residents, I mean, has their uh, permanent lodging, has that issue been sorted out yet? I mean, what happens now? So our focus now uh, that the court case is done is um, the, there's no longer a development order. Mm -hmm. It is cancelled. Yayasan Villa Peskutuan is the landowner. At the same time, Yayasan Villa Peskutuan comes under the Federal Territories Department. Uh, and the chair of the uh, of Yasan Wilapaskutuan is uh, is the prime minister by default of him being the in charge of the federal territories department okay. as well. Okay. okay. So YB Yo, um, the MP for Sagambut, is working with the prime minister uh, to look at uh, long term uh, resolution of for permanent housing for the longhouse residents. We have already. I mean, she is well aware of the plans and uh, that you know, have been put together for uh, permanent housing options. And uh, her aim, she has publicly stated her aim that she wants to deliver landed housing for the longhouse residents. Um, we have already uh, made our own preparations. Uh, we have kind of reconstituted the, the permanent housing task force uh, and uh, we are ready to, you know, work towards that goal. We have spent the last five, six years of this journey, uh, investing in our relationship with the Longhouse community because it is clear. I mean, they, they are our neighbours, right? Um, and uh, there must be peace for them. Otherwise, there's no peace in Tamantun, okay? Um, so that is our goal uh, for the Longhouse community. We will stand with them to make sure that they get their permanent housing I think over time they have uh, realized that we are sincere in uh, uh, walking that journey with them. So we hope to be able to, uh, you know, deliver a happy outcome over due course of time. Can Don't I just say. say the last words? Of I mean, um, with this regards, I would like to to say that uh, those in authority 
they are just like us. You know, they, they are the rakyat also. So when they make decisions about, especially on development, on planning laws, not only they work in the interest of the developers, but they, put, they should put the interest of uh, the rakyat first because they are also the rakyat. So if they do that, I think uh, the rakyat don't have to spend lots of money and time and effort to fight for their rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Gentlemen, thank you so much. I'm sure you, none of you imagined, you know, you'd have to take on activism at this point in your lives, right? <laughs> far, <But> from, <laughs> far from it. <laughs> far, far from it. Never but, imagined, yeah. But here you are. And, you know, again, you know, you've set uh, so many precedents, right, uh, for, you know, ongoing cases or further future cases. So thank you so much, you know, to you, to the team, to everyone involved, you know, for all the hard work and for everything you've done. And I'm sure you all are open to, uh, you know, if anyone would like to consult or anything, you guys are open to those sorts of discussions as well? Yes, yes. absolutely. It has already begun. Okay. Without even any publicity, it has begun. People have reached out to us. Okay, all right. Yeah. Thank you for having us. My absolute pleasure. And, 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 and it was really a fantastic journey. And, and there were many other people behind yeah. the scenes. So it's not just the three of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I guess, you know, oh. before I let you guys go, uh, any, any last messages, any like, you know, final thank yous that you'd like to uh, leave our listeners with? I think this journey would have potentially had different outcomes uh, if we didn't have... Uh, folks who came in to run this fight with us. Uh, our lawyers, um, Alif uh, Benjamin Soaimi, who uh, solicitor, lead solicitor from uh, Thomas Philip, uh, and then ably led by uh, you know our senior counsel, Professor Dato Gudel Singh Nija, and of course his uh, partner, Abraham Au, and uh, Christopher Leong, who also joined, um, you know, and, and uh, the rest of their team. Uh, they fought this, like, absolute warriors we we fought in the public field uh, but they fought uh, ably and uh, ferociously in uh, in the courts for us and uh, we we cannot thank them enough um YB Hannah she took this on uh, in 2018 after we had already started a fight and uh, again she has been uh, steadfast all the way she's never wavered um and uh, we are deeply grateful to her for the commitment that she has shown, not just to us, but more importantly to the Longhouse residents. There's never been a politician who has been so clear in her commitment to their permanent housing as she has, and their welfare generally. Right? She's organized so many different things for them, uh, clinics, workshops, etc. So uh, we thank her for, for picking up this fight. And can I just take this opportunity to to thank from the bottom of my heart to all those have, who have supported us, especially residents in Taman Tundok Smile. Without all your support, we may not be able to do this, but with the steadfast uh, support from, from all of them, we have uh, we managed to achieve success and also support from others as well. Thank you so much again. Last but not least... Our understanding families, <laughs> yeah. Gosh, oh my who goodness. have, uh, you know, just uh, uh, offered a lot of understanding and uh, empathy and support for uh, this fight that we somehow decided to pick up. Uh. Mm. Yeah. 
gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing the story. I've been speaking to Hafiz Abubakar, former chairman of the TTI Residents Association, Leon Kui, committee coordinator of Safety RK, and Kairudin Rahim, media coordinator for Safety RK. If you'd like to, um, well, I guess, you know, there's a repository now, right, of all the information. Uh, if you'd like to find out more, just head to tamanrimbakiara.net. Everything is there. Uh, and if you miss any part of our conversation today, of any of our conversations over the past six years, you can always find the podcast at bfm.my slash earth. You can also find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.